the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith, where the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, tonight we bring you part three of our brand new series entitled 11 Ways God Allows Suffering. All this from a biblical perspective. Well, when it comes to suffering, people respond in many different ways. Eastern religions teach the non-existence of evil and suffering in the world. And then there's the word faith teachers that teach that all suffering is the result of sin. There are even some people in today's churches who blame God. They blame themselves and others for suffering. Well, tonight, Dr. Buckner will break down the true biblical view of suffering. So buckle up, strap in, and get ready, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh, introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we trust that you're going to be blessed and lifted up in the Lord uh, tonight. So uh, we're going to uh, talk about this thing of suffering and why God allows it. And we are talking about this from the perspective of 11 reasons why God allows suffering in our lives. And we need to really take note of all of these uh, 11 points. And we have said thus far, number one, that God allows suffering in our lives to develop patience or perseverance. Oh, how we need that in our lives. Because we can be very impatient at times, and God has to open up the door of suffering in our lives to drop us on our knees to keep us Uh, focus in the area of patience. Secondly, God allows suffering in our lives to develop maturity. And we have so many babes in the church still on the bottle. Uh, They haven't moved from the bottle, from the milk to the meat of the word. You notice those two M's, milk versus meat. And uh, they want to be burped. And there are more babes Uh, in the church than in the nursery, and God is trying to knock out of us immaturity and knock in us maturity. And sometimes he got to take us through suffering to get us to that point in our lives. And thirdly, God allows suffering in our lives to assure us of our sonship. And you know, we are sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And just like an earthly father disciplines his children, sometimes God, our Heavenly Father, have to take us to the woodshed 
And you know, it's not a fun thing to go to the woodshed with God, but when you're disobedient and you're not reading your Bible, you're not praying, you're not keeping on the armor, and you're doing your will over God's will, sometimes he has to break you to remake you, my friend. And uh, don't think that he doesn't love you when he disciplines you, just like a parent disciplining their children. God is in the business of taking us to the woodshed so we can come out of it as pure as gold. Takes us through the fire so we can come out as pure as gold. And then, fourthly, God allows suffering in our lives to prove the genuineness nature of our faith. You know, you got to be tested by God to see if your faith is genuine or counterfeit. And then we're going to learn uh, tonight about the fifth reason why God allows suffering. And God allows suffering in our lives to develop in us humility. Humility. One great philosopher said, humility is the rarest flower that blossoms in the garden of virtue. And that's so true. You know, when we think about uh, this thing of uh, humility— Sometimes uh, God has to uh, allow suffering in our lives to keep us humble because we are prideful people. And uh, one of the things on the top of God's list in Proverbs 6 that he hates is pride. He puts that at the top. And this is the reason why Lucifer was expelled from heaven because of pride. And he came in the Garden of Eden and had our four parents to lean on their own understanding. See, that's pride. Anytime you lean on your own understanding, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him so he can direct your path. And when we lean to our own understanding and do it our way, and uh, that's pride, my friend. That's pride to the max. And God allows suffering in our lives to knock out of us pride and egotism and self-centeredness and self-righteousness. And one of the worst prides in our church today (laughs) is religious pride. And it's one of the worst sins. And that's the thing that the, the hounds of hell had against Jesus. They were prideful religious leaders, the Pharisees. And the Sadducees, when they named them Sadducees, they picked a good name because they were very sad, you see. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God, in the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, allowed a thorn in the Apostle Paul's flesh to humble him from the potential of boasting of all the different revelations he had received from God because he was caught up into the third heaven and saw things that was not lawful for any man to utter. That's one of the things that I always say when people always say, you know what, I saw a light. I went left this planet and I went to heaven and I'm coming back to tell you what it's like. My friend, don't believe that because Satan appears as an angel of light. And he can deceive you. The Apostle Paul could not talk about it. You know, I can imagine, listen to this now, I can imagine all of the different disciples getting together, talking about the Lord, 
talking about how good God has been and what experience they had received this and that experience with this experience and that experience and that moving of God and and another Christian saying, God moved in my life this way. You know how we get into discussions about the the power of God and how he moves in our life and how he did this. And, and somebody else said, well, he didn't do that in my life. And I can imagine the Apostle Paul was probably tempted to say, yeah, you guys are talking about all that stuff, but man, I had these revelations. See, he was getting ready to be tempted. And you know, in other in other uh, epistles of Paul, you do a word study on the word revelation. He mentioned that word quite often. And pride was starting to seep in in, in the Apostle Paul's life. You know, here is one of the greatest theologians one of the greatest uh, apostles, one of the greatest apologists, and one of the greatest teachers. And uh, he wrote most of the New Testament, but yet pride was trying to seep in. You see, the, that's how the devil tries to get us away from God, you see. And pride is where I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to pray. I don't need to go to church. Pride gets in the way and say, you know what? I don't need to tithe. Pride has so many ways of getting in the way. And pride is where, okay, I'm going to hang around with this ungodly group of people. On I'm going to commit fornication even though God condemns that. I'm going to commit adultery even though God condemns that. I'm going to lie even though God condemns that. You see, and so God, he uses in all of our lives this thing of suffering to bring in our lives humility. A lot of times he causes us to hit rock bottom. So we will discover that he is the rock at the bottom and when we discover that he is the rock at the bottom, he brings us from the bottom to the top. So one of the greatest philosophers once said, humility is the rarest flower that blossoms in the garden of virtue. It's hard to find, and when you find it, it's an awesome thing. And, uh, you know, so this thing in the Apostle Paul's life was creeping in, and, you know, if this man was as great as he was, the greatest theologian, other than Jesus, he was the greatest of all, but he, as far as a man, he was really great in the sense of being a theologian, philosopher, and, you know, an apologist and teacher. And if he was tempted, how much more can we be tempted as well? God allows suffering to keep us humble, to stay low. Like the Louisiana preacher said, he told this young preacher, stay low. So when you fall, you won't have that far to go. Number six, God allows suffering in our lives to keep us on track. Oh, that's an important one. God allows suffering in our lives to keep us on track. It is so easy for all of us to get off track when it when we don't uh, keep on the full armor of God daily, when we're not in the Word of God daily, we're not into prayer daily, we're not into fellowship with God and God with us. So we can wander off track. 
And so we got these three enemies, right? That's why we need the full armor on daily. We got the first enemy is Satan. He comes at us in the spiritual realm. We got the flesh that comes at us in the inner realm. That's why Paul said, every time I try to do good, evil is present with me. The thing that I hate, that's what I do. And uh, he cried out, oh, wretched man that I am. And thirdly, the world comes at us in the outer realm. So we got these uh, three enemies constantly attacking us to get us off track. Be careful. Jesus said to watch and pray, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need to pray every day, God, keep me on track. And a lot of times when we go through little sufferings and big sufferings and middle sufferings in our life, you should drop on your knees and say, God, what are you trying to say to me? I'm trying to get you back on track. How many times people suffer so much financially because they're not consistently giving? So they go through this deep valley with nothing until they start seeking God first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.30, and all these things will be added unto you. It is so easy for all of us to get off track daily. In Psalms 119 and verse 67, write that down. Everybody that's listening to me, write this scripture down. Psalms 119, verse 67. King David once said, quote, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Why was David afflicted? He was afflicted because God wanted to keep him on track. It is so easy for all of us to get off track. So God allows affliction and suffering in our lives to do several things, to do two major things, to keep us on track, number one, and to keep us on our knees, number two. To keep us on track, and then secondly, to keep us on our, our knees. You know, uh, James, um, the half-brother of Jesus, he had a nickname. They called him Camel Knees. <laughs> Why did they do that? Because he stayed on his knees all the time. That's what we need to do. You shouldn't wait until you have trouble and problems in your life to put you on your knees, somebody persecuting you. You know, isn't that interesting when people generally persecute us in our family and in our lives and on the job and in our community, we really cry out to God because it's a form of suffering. And God is using that to get us to the point where he breaks us to remake us. So my challenge to you tonight is this, and this sounds alike, and I'm going to say this and I'm done. Don't erase suffering, but embrace it. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, and we'll get into that point a little bit later on in another, another time, the Apostle Paul says, that I may know him, Philippians 3, that I may know him 
and know also the fellowship of his suffering. Suffering is something that we should embrace because your attitude will determine your altitude, how high you go, but it'll also determine your latitude, how low you go. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches regarding Jesus. And remember, he suffered, and he went through it, and he'll give you the strength to do likewise. Brother Gary. Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. We want to begin by thanking everyone who has been praying for Contending for the Faith. Without your diligent prayers, we could have never been on the air as long as we have for so many years. We also want to thank those who supported us this week. David, Keith, Scott, Richard, Carol, Megan, Jim and Kim, Diane and Ronald, Jerry and Nancy and Jackie. We thank you so much for listening to the voice of this Holy Spirit, talking to you and speaking to your hearts about partnering with us in this vital ministry. It's so important that you continue to pray. It's also important that you continue to be uh, sensitive and give as God leads uh, this is a listener-supported ministry, and without your support, it's very difficult to have ministry. <laughs> so we need your help. Uh, it does cost us 400 a week to stay on the air. So if you've been blessed by this program and all of Dr. Buckner's teachings over all these many years, we just want to encourage you. Won't you partner with us financially to keep this vital ministry on the air? Right now, we need about $325 for this week's program. So, you know, there's always a need. There's always uh, a reason to pray and always uh, a need to give. So we want to encourage you tonight, as God has blessed you, to continue to pray for us. And if you are able to give above the tithe, because we always say the tithe belongs to your local church. But if God has blessed you to be able to give above the tithe, then why don't you consider giving to Contending for the Faith? There's two ways you can donate. Number one, send a check or money order. To Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much simpler. Simply go onto your laptop, your computer, your smartphone, tablet, whatever device you like to use, and go online to contendingfaith.org contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button and it's that simple away you go being a blessing for time and eternity uh we just want you to know that we will not be in the studio um for the next two saturdays we will be back in the studio november 2nd so while we're off the air we're going to give you the best of contending for the faith Uh, So please pray for us in our absence and continue to support us because even though we we may not be in the studio, we still have to pay for that airtime. So uh, continue to pray and continue uh, to partner with us financially. Again, the next two weeks will be the best of contending for the faith. We won't be live in the studio, but the program will be on. So I want to encourage you to listen, encourage others to listen, and encourage others to pray for us as well as partner with us financially. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those announcements. And again, we do thank everybody out there in Radio Land for 
your faithfulness to this ministry. And like Gary said, it's one of a kind, and we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing unless uh, you were able to be partnering with us uh, side by side to do uh, the work of God. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to get to uh, some of our callers, Brother Gary. All right. Let's go to Cece in Oakland. Hello, Cece. How are you doing? Um, how you guys doing? We are truly blessed. How about yourself? Um, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Oh, very good. We're, we're happy to hear that. Yeah, you uh, didn't hesitate to say it. <laughs> amen. And by the way, uh, Gary's going to read something that uh, came to us. We won't give the person's last name, but he's <laughs> going to read something to you that I believe that you're going to be blessed by. So uh, listen to this carefully. <laughs> it says uh, it says to uh, contending for the faith. Hello, I listen on to Dr. Buckner on Saturdays and really enjoy when CC calls in. Will you keep me in your prayers? Thank you. His name is his name also is Gary, mm-hmm. but not Gary Bell. We <laughs> no, won't tell him the last name. No, a different Gary. <laughs> Amen. So we thought you would be blessed by hearing that. Well, uh, uh, I, I appreciate it. If, if Gary's listening, I really appreciate that. That means um, that means a lot to me. That's that's um, very thoughtful. That's that's um, I'm I'm lost for words, but I really I really do I really do appreciate it. And, and um, what he said meant a lot to me. I'm going to hold on to that. That's, yeah, that's, stay. That's, that's an encouragement. Really stay encouraged, that's, brother. That's encouragement. I really I really I really um I really appreciate that. I know you do. I know that. Uh, your heart would be blessed by that, and mm-hmm. so I want to make sure yeah. uh, when I got the email, I printed it out and brought it here to the studio so that we can read it, so you can hear it and be blessed, uh, so people are being touched by some of the things that you say as well. And uh, what did you get out of the message for you tonight? How did it minister to you? It ministered to me because um, you talked about in terms of how God uses suffering, and the first thing that they, they ministered to me, as well as last week, when you said that it's devil, the devil's patience and perseverance, because I thought, you know, like most of us is not patient like we used to be. And I, I find myself, I know that even worked for me, even when I'm at the stoplight now, when I'm like in the crosswalk, I'm more patient to wait for the light to turn green, you know, than before, and this is a lot of other areas, you know, so that's really something. You know, that stuck to me is when you talk about patience and perseverance and also humility, because it's true, too. Like, the more I've suffered, the more humble I've became, you know. You know, it's it, it humbled me a lot of ways where I maybe be more sensitive if someone's get angry at me or if someone is going through something. Like, I'm, I, it made me really more in a lot. It humbled me in a lot of areas the more than I've suffered. And it also made me more appreciative what I have, like if I have my mother still alive, or uh, um, people who are living with my, my family, it makes me more appreciative. Or even just being able to go into a restaurant and get a burrito, I like God, thank you that you allowed me to get a burrito. Now, now, don't get hit by that train, okay? I I don't want to hear a boom. <laughs> That's right. So, like they say, be watchful and prayerful. <laughs> you don't, don't be so f- deep into the conversation on the phone that you miss that train. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let the train miss you, though. Yeah, Lord is not ready for you to go home yet. He's not. He's, he's not. He's not finished with you yet. He's not ready for you to go home now. 
<laughs> I know that's funny too because I was I was crossing the road tracks uh, maybe just a few weeks ago, and something told me look to your left. There's a train coming, and I'm like, nah, that's not a train. That's, that's probably my own. So I look, I look to the to the, I mean to the right. I mean, and I could see the train like like it was getting closer, but it was like a little distance, and I was just like, wow, that's really. <laughs> That's really, I think that's what, was, is that discernment? Or what, what <laughs> yeah, we used to have a uh, gentleman who was, he loved our program, and he loved calling in, and uh, this was a while back, and he loved connecting with Rick, and he loved asking questions about Jehovah's Witnesses and uh, from, to me, uh, but he was blind and a dedicated uh, person to the Lord, and, you know, uh, he would... Uh, go to the Bay Area Rich, Richmond Rescue Mission to minister and do Bible studies. And uh, one uh, day when he was on his way there to do a Bible study, uh, he was crossing the tracks and got hit by the train and lost his leg and was at Highland Hospital. And Rick and I went over there to see him and prayed for him. We thought he was going to make it through, but the following day he didn't make it. But he was faithful to giving uh, anywhere between 600 to 800 a month to this ministry. And uh, that train that train uh, took him out. But, you know, God has an appointed time for all things. But um, what's on your heart tonight? What's your question? I've been wanting to ask you um, in First Corinthians chapter 14, in uh, verse 9, as the Apostle Paul begins to uh, continue to develop in, uh, his study. Yes, why don't you read uh, what it says there, and I'll try to put some meat onto it, the Scripture. No problem. It says, Likewise, you accept, you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood. How shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. Right, right. And and this is um, Paul actually uh, reflecting back on the previous Scriptures, verses of Scripture. And uh, Paul is illustrating, uh, I'm going to say three points here. Number one, Paul is illustrating his previous point about the uselessness of even the true gift apart from translation for the church to be understood. So, uh, you know, just like an instrument, if it's not connected to the right sound and giving a right sound, it's useless. And Paul is saying that's the same way with the gifts. If it's not operated by the Spirit and operated by interpretation and operated by, you know, uh, the church uh, listening to God in the right way, uh, it's useless. And then the second point is, even if uh, musical instruments are expected to make sensible sounds, number three, how much more should human godly speech make more sense than anything else. So this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's uh, comparing, you know, the uh, human instruments uh, that is not even the inanimate uh, objects uh, that uh, we, this is not human, but people use them. We got to make sense out of that. I mean, when you go to hear an orchestra, you go to hear a band, you know, if they're off key, then it's uselessness, you know. But if they're on key and it's sounding good and they're in harmony, everybody gets appreciative and blessed. 
And so Paul is making that comparison between making sense out of what we do and making sure that we're guided by the Spirit and making sure that we are living by the context of Scripture because a text taken out of its context becomes a pretext for error. And nobody gets blessed because the ultimate thing of what Paul is saying in all of this, and the fourth point is this, that God is not the author of confusion. God always take the, take fusion out of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. So when there is any form of confusion in a church where people are doing things not under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and according to context, then uh, it's... Um, it's not uh, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit in the right way. So hopefully that helps out. Well, I really appreciate that. Oh, good, good, good question. And uh, let's we have about a minute before we get to the other caller, so we're going to have some time to within this minute to pray for any prayer requests that you may have. Okay, if you, you pray for me, and then let's pray for my mother, Rosalinda, my family, um, um, as well as... Um, as well as Gary, the guy who uh, I like, you guys to pray for him. And then if you pray for two celebrities, you pray for um, the, um, Bridget Nelson. She's a woman from Rocky. She played in a Rocky movie. She's a mm-hmm. tall, tall lady. And if you could pray for Shamar Moore, who's the um, actress from Young and the Restless, as well, he does some kind of cop show. Pray for him. All right, we'll do that, uh, Brother Gary. All right, Lord, we just uh, thank you for Brother CC. We thank you for his dedication to studying your word and and being uh, so consistent in your word. We pray also that you would bless his mother, Rosalinda. We pray for the celebrities, Bridget Nielsen and Shamari Moore. We pray, Lord God, that you continue to move in CeCe's life and continue to guide and direct his steps, Lord God, that you would surround him with people that would encourage him. We pray for this gentleman, Gary, as well, that had, has, had appreciated CC's comments over the air. And so, Lord, we just thank you and praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, CC, for your call and your question. Thank you. All right. Well, we hear that music, so it's time for us to take a commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, and counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Well, uh, once again, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith. And we want to thank those who have generously given to this ministry over the many years that we've been on the air. We, without your prayers and without your financial support, there is no way we could have, could have been on the air as long as we have. It's just the grace of God and, and the generosity of so many people like you. And so we want to validate you and we want to thank you and we want to encourage you to continue to pray and encourage you to continue to give because it does Cost us four hundred a week to remain on the air, and right now we have a three hundred twenty-five dollar deficit for tonight. So we need your help. We need your prayers, and we need your financial support. There's two ways you can give. One, simply write a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box five five three, Tiburon, California. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box five five three, Tiburon, California nine four nine two zero. Second way is so much easier. Just just go online to contendingfaith.org contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button and away you'll go. We want to also remind you that next 
for the next two weeks, we will not have a live program. We will not be in the studio for the next two Saturdays, but we'll be back in the studio November 2nd. So while we're gone, we're going to sh- uh, play the best of Contending for the Faith. And, uh, you know, please pray for us in our, in our absence and continue to support us because even though we aren't in the studio, we still have to pay for the time. So we need your help. We need your consistency. And uh, we just want to say thank you again for the many years of blessing us with your prayers and your financial support here on Contending for the Faith. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary. And let's get back to our calls. All right. Let's go to Jermaine. He's been waiting patiently. How you doing, Jermaine? Very well. All right. What's on your heart tonight, my brother? Well, you know, um, I wanted to uh, pick up the topic we were discussing before. I think it's, it's uh, more important to talk about a topic that I, I would love to hear your opinion on. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the uh, former police officer in Texas who got convicted of killing the uh, the uh, unarmed man in his own apartment. Mm-hmm. Now, reason I mentioned that is I was watching the trial just paying attention and I was really taken aback by what the uh the victim's family did starting with his eighteen year old brother where he actually forgave the mm-hmm. the uh, former police officer on the stand and I thought he showed a lot of poise and it really shocked me because I didn't expect that and it seemed to be from the heart it was genuine it was a lot of emotion. He uh you know gave the uh former officer a hug and it's just it was something I had never seen in court before. If and I'm I not mistaken, the judge came down and yeah, the, did, 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 yeah. did it too. So. The judge did likewise, yeah, yeah. and the judge not only uh, uh, gave the uh, the former police officer, the female, a uh, hug, yeah, but right. also gave her a Bible. Yeah. And right. you know, and the uh, former witness. police officer was the one that asked for a, a hug, and she went on and hugged her, and then. Uh, ministered to her in her ear about the Lord. So it was a tremendous um, scene of just two things, justice, because justice was meted because of the crime. You do the crime, you have to do the time. She did the crime. And then you have also, so the justice was meted, was given, and then also you you saw in the courtroom uh, mercy, forgiveness, and grace. You saw all of that combined with justice. And that's what the Bible calls us to do. You know, the atheistic world was shook up over that because, uh, you know, this is what Christians do. You don't see this with people of the world. But this was a witness to the world, uh, what uh, this young man did as well as the judge and the ungodly world was shook up as well as the atheists. How could they do such a thing? How could they uh, even allow that? Well, they don't understand that we as Christians, that's what we're called to do. And then it was not in the middle of the court situation. It was when uh, it was afterwards, when everything was done, and they were getting ready to send her away. And the young man said, you know, can I go over and give her a hug? And he also ministered to her, too, because the brother that was killed was a strong Christian as well as a musician, you know, in the church. So we have to look at this from a balanced perspective, and it's, and it's a lesson to all of us. Justice must be given, 
for anything for wrongdoing, but forgiveness as well. Ted Bundy was one of the worst uh, serial I mean, killers out there of, of, of women. And do you not know, Dr. James Dobson went to the prison where he was at and ministered to that man and brought him to the Lord, and he accepted the Lord before he, died, before he was executed. Here again is justice and mercy, forgiveness, meet it all at once. And may we learn from this in our own personal life. Right. And, and you know, the reason I brought it up, Dr. Burton, and thank you for that, I was taken aback by the negative comments that I heard. Uh, there were people attacking what this young man, the family, the judge, and also the bailiff, who also happened to be like one of them there. And they put up uh, memes that said this is slave mentality and uh, they some things I'm just not gonna repeat because they're you know there's they're, they're not vulgar but they're just unintelligent and pointless. The reason I was a little upset was because these comments were coming from people who were African American Christians, and some of them I, I take with a grain of salt because they were prosperity people. And one of them I'll just mention his name because he put himself out there, but uh, people like uh, Jamal Bryant and all these other people who I know have done things that have been exposed that. If anything, they should have been happy to hear the word forgiveness for some of the stuff that they pulled and, and they got forgiveness for. But they wanted this young lady to burn, and I could not get it. It really filled me with like a righteous sense of anger because the things I heard were just disgusting to me, and not one person mentioned the forgiveness of Christ. It was all about race. It was all about carnal things, and none of them mentioned their own sins. I just wanted to—well, uh, you kind of already answered it for me, but just— I know these people are already wrong, but is there a, is there a such thing as I guess you could say a spiritual forgiveness and, and a, a different kind? What I'm trying to put together, these people basically wanted vengeance, and I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Well, yeah, that's a good point, and you know uh, this is this is uh, <clears throat> nothing new because even the disciples sometimes they struggled with certain things with Jesus, and you remember Jesus always. Uh, would go to the Samaritans, and they were, oh, no, not the Samaritan people. And Jesus would go around to uh, the have-nots, and he would forgive them. And even the disciples had problems with that. Uh, But they finally grew out of it. And even you remember the situation with Peter, and he was talking about, you know, he thought seven times to forgive was a big thing. But Jesus says 70 times 70, 490 times. But I'm going to also say this, that the the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who say that they're a Christian. And a lot of these people who have this vengeance, you have to question whether or not they're genuine Christians. Because a sign of a genuine Christian is one who is forgiving. If you're not forgiving, you have to question whether a person is a Christian or not. And uh, a lot of people can uh, use the lip service, but the evidence is in the fruit that you bear. And Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. And so I'm not always called to be a judge. You know, sometime I am, but I'm always called to be a fruit inspector and I'll know people by their fruit. And when people talk like this, whether they're Christian, especially when they claim to be Christian and then they don't forgive you have to question whether or not they're genuinely saved. That's how far as I would go with it, because, you know, uh, God has forgiven them uh, over and over, 
But this is the thing that I was talking about again, this thing of pride and arrogance and self-righteousness and religious pride. (laughs) That's what I was talking about earlier. That is the worst of the worst, religious pride. And we got a lot of people, even in our churches, and Paul had that, and Saul had that before he got saved. He was a he had religious pride up between his teeth, but the Lord had to knock him down to get his attention. And so, I, I just simply say, a genuine Christian is somebody that forgives. If you don't forgive, you have to question whether or not the person is saved, and we have to pray for them because a genuine Christian will forgive, like that judge, and as well as that young man. That's a genuine Christian. But if you don't forgive and you want vengeance, you have to question whether or not they're saved. Okay, and I, I'll go ahead and cut short. I won't take up too much of your time, but I, I, I'm really thankful for you, brothers. This is why, you know, I pray for the support of this ministry. Uh, these other people flying around in jets and wearing three thousand dollar suits and just spitting out nonsense. So, thank you for just always just hitting it home every single week. I appreciate you, brothers. Well, thank you so much. Uh, We try to do God's will and be uh, bold about it, and we don't believe in uh, compromising, confusing, and contradicting the three C's. We don't believe in doing that. So thank you for your call, and God bless you and and your question, too. All right, Brother Gary, let's get to the next. Next caller is uh, Brother Rick. Brother Rick, how you doing? Blessed about yourselves. Uh, we're truly blessed, truly blessed. We got a limited time. Let's get right to your well, question. Let's get, let's, get that, let's get down to business. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. We live in a world. We live in a world where people are considered very spiritual, and one of, one of the aspects of being spiritual is denying the physical. Mm-hmm. And we see that. In, uh, we see that from the from the days of the Eastern religions. We see it from the Gnostics, and we see it from the Jehovah Witnesses. And the interesting thing is the Bible does talk about physicality, but where does Jesus talk about physicality in the Bible? That's a very good question because, uh, you know, we know John talks about it uh, in First John. Anyone that denies that Christ is coming to flesh, he mentions the word flesh, is the Antichrist, got the spirit of the Antichrist. And then John also writes in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then he also says in verse 14, and the Word was made soma, flesh. So the writers talk about, you know, uh, the uh, material and physical uh, universe and the flesh and that sort of thing. But the big question that you're asking, I, where does Jesus talk about this? Well, there are several places where Jesus uh, verified uh, that the flesh is reality. And, you know, you can go to Matthew chapter 16, where uh, at Caesarea Philippi, when they were asking the question, uh, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And then uh, they were saying Jeremiah and, you know, and, you know, the prophets and that sort of thing. And then uh, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And then you remember Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 16, uh, Simon bore Jonah for flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. He confirms the validity and historicity and authenticity of physical uh, flesh and blood right there in Matthew chapter 16. And then also after his resurrection in uh, Luke uh, 24, you remember? And doubting uh, uh, Thomas, unless I shall see in his hands and his feet, 
He showed him his hands, his feet, okay, the material body, and then with the spiritual body, and then he also said uh, that uh, flesh and he also says, handle me and see, for a spirit has not flesh and, and bones as you see me have. So that's in Luke 24. So anyway, God bless on that question. Hopefully that helps out. We're going to try to squeeze in one more caller, but hopefully that helps you out. All right. God bless. Thanks God bless. All right. All right. All right, let's quickly go to Sister Langston. Sister Langston, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Dr. Buckley. Thank you for taking my call in at this late hour. Yes. I very quickly want to talk about the concept of what it means to be an elder in the church. Mm-hmm. Now, my understanding is that this term is more literal than we might, un- we might realize, and that elders are actually those parties that are, number one, mature Christians, establishing the faith, and they have some age and life experience on them. And I'm trying to reconcile that to what I see of people that are called to preach one week and in the pulpit the next week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I'm trying to get a better understanding of the biblical concept of elder, because you talked about developing maturity. And I think a lot of Christian people don't really know what a mature Christian looks like. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a good that's that's a very good question. How much time do we have? Two. About okay, we have about two minutes and stuff like that. Let me just ask you I'm this. Twenty seconds. You can you can handle it. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to say this real quick. What makes you bring this up? You talked about um, uh, to develop maturity. Yes. And in one of my classes, we were talking about the concept of elders in the church, and what is an elder, or who should be considered an elder. And in many of our churches, you got people 40 years old mm-hmm. that are elders. Right. They've never married, they've never had children. <laughs> you know, it's just a great part of life that they really cannot counsel or talk to you about because they've never experienced it themselves. Well, that's what that's a good uh, point. You you raise a good question, and because our time is almost out, what we're going to do in two weeks, we'll be back, what is it, November the uh, 2nd. I will come and address that question, whether you call in or not. I will address it and make sure that I elaborate upon it, but I want to make sure I get a full understanding of where you're coming from so I can address it in a biblical perspective. All right, Dr. Buckley, I'm coming from your position, number three, number two, to develop maturity. Amen. Okay, well, thank you so much for your call and your support and prayers for us as well, and tell your husband said hello. All, All right, right. <laughs> 30 seconds. So please keep us in your prayers until November 2nd at this time when we once again give the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.